Hey everybody out in McHenry County. Uh, welcome back to Left of the Light. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, we are right upon the brand new year, 2022. Um, I, I hope you guys had a great holiday um, and got everything that you wanted that was on your wish list. Um, I got some pretty cool things. One of the things that I really like loved that my wife got me was a picture of my Left of the Light logo framed really nice and everything uh so cool and uh that was pretty cool if you want to check it out and see it um go ahead and run over to the facebook page there's a picture of it on there um and i hope you guys got like what you wanted if you wanted a, a i don't know a ps5 or something cool or maybe some gift cards to uh some restaurants that we've talked about here on the show um maybe uh some tickets to like a joe diamond show or uh something cool from our current episode material things uh they have some cool stuff out there uh and i talked to ken this week over at material things and talked to him about his shop how it got started uh we talked about like some of his interests and how it led into material things the store uh out in woodstock so um it's a pretty cool place i, I implore you to check it out i want to backtrack a little bit i want to talk about the last episode of left at the light uh, we had author uh, Britton Follett who wrote the book Who Killed Kelsey? Um, and then we followed that up with uh, Becky at Casa of McHenry County. Um, it's a cool episode. Uh, if you haven't gone back to listen to that one, go check it out. Um, and the reason why I want to talk about it is because Britton was really kind enough to offer up a $5 donation to, co to Casa for every book sale. Uh, so in the show notes of the last episode, you can find Britain's book. You can get a signed copy directly from her and it's, it's all, all the info's in the show notes there. So if you want to go and click those links then you can go and buy the book, uh, and then she will make that donation. And, uh, I believe in that episode when I originally recorded it, we talked about her doing that donation for the time, the time period that the episode was out. Um, but we're actually going to January 31st. So you got a, the whole month of January to still go and buy that book. Um, and like I said, if you want a signed copy from Britain, um, you can get that from her directly. So um, check that out. It's a really good cause. And I really hope that uh, the show can reach a bunch of people and we can get uh, a, a good sizable donation for Casa McHenry County because they're doing great things out there for children. Um, and I really hope that the episode kind of brought some of that to light, uh, considering, you know, what's happened in the, what's happening in our community, what's happened previously in our community and so on and so forth. So, uh, please check out that episode. It's really special to me and I hope that, uh, you enjoyed it and that you got something out of it and that you go buy the book. So please do that. Check it out. Um, and for this holiday season, please check out any of our episodes, share them with people, check out our Facebook page, check us out um, on Instagram and share, comment, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, I'd really appreciate it. And uh, as always, of course, you can email me. My name is Matt. If I didn't introduce myself in the beginning or if you this is the first episode you've ever listened to um, and you can email me left at the light pod at gmail.com and we're going to get into the next episode. I'm talking to Ken for material things. Please enjoy this episode and we'll talk to you at the back end. Thank you. Material things. Um, and it is artisan, not artesian. We discussed right. that already. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
but tell me, tell me about uh, material things. How did you get it started? Um, where did, where did it come from? Um, it, well, I've always loved art um, ever since I was a kid. Uh, my mom was an artist to some extent. Uh, my dad was not, but he was a supporter of the arts and they loved to go to the art fairs, the big art fairs in Chicago, you know, old town and 57th street and all that. So I was exposed to art from when I was little. And uh, if you ask a lot of kids, their favorite uh, class in school, you know, be recess and gym. And I like those, but art was always, I loved art. Um, I could go long periods of time working on some kind of a project where my attention span would uh, pretty quickly be lost if it was math or English or reading or whatever else it might be. So art goes, uh, I've enjoyed art ever since I was little. Uh, in college, I got a chance to dabble in a couple of mediums that I didn't previously have an opportunity, one of which was blown glass. So I got to actually work in, you know, with a furnace and, a, and an actual flame and do glass. And that's when I fell in love with glass. And that was University of Oklahoma 45 something years ago, long, long time. And I just loved glass from that point on. Um, and then when a uh, little bit after we first got married, I opened a shop called the Artful Glazier on the square. It was um, in the block where Swiss Made Bakery, if anybody knows the square, they know where Swiss Made Bakery used uh -huh. to be. And so it was down in the uh, Benton uh, Street and the Benton block. And that was uh, pretty much my own work. And that was cold glass. In other words, they refer to cold glass. That's your stained glass panels, that types of thing mm -hmm. um, that would hang free within a window or be built within a window. I did a lot of custom work where I made things for people's homes and made things for restaurants and businesses and that type of stuff. And I went to a ton of art fairs where I was the seller. Uh, and I did that from 79 to, to let me think here, to uh, 95, from 1979 to 1995. Uh, then I ventured into a, a totally different job. I wanted nine to five. I was putting a ton of hours in running my shop. And when I wasn't at the shop, I was making things for these art fairs that I went to. Or Saturday and Sunday, I was at the art fairs. So I had stretches of 40, 50 days in a row without a day off. Yeah. I look back and I miss those days to some extent, but I needed to back off. So I went into an uh, area of sales that I did for, uh, gosh, 12 or 15 years. And when that came to an end, I knew I wanted to have a shop again, but I wanted to configure it differently. So that's when I uh, opened up uh, Material Things Artisan Market. And instead of just my work, we have the work of 100 and something artisans. And we do our own glasswork still there. Uh, we do warm glass, which is fused glass, where you use the heat of the kiln to uh, fuse the glass pieces together, everything from jewelry to large pieces. And uh, that stuff's exclusive to our shop, but the other artisans provide, you know, examples of woodwork and leatherwork and metalwork and so on. And we teach classes at our shop also, so you can come and learn how to do fused glass at our shop. Uh, and we opened that up in July of 13. So we're looking at eight years and a month now. Um, now you mentioned you had like hundreds of artisans. Uh, where do you find the, them and you know, bring them in? Yeah, we get those from a bunch of different sources. Uh, 
from the artists I met at the shows, we had that uh, group to pull from and contact. Uh, Patty and I collect art and my wife, Patty, and she was um, excellent in keeping cards. She always would get the card of the artist. And I always thought, okay, are we going to necessarily buy another piece from them? And then when I opened my shop, those cards came in handy because we could contact those people. And some of our early artisans were people that uh, we also owned their work in our house. The biggest source is a website that's changed its name, um, but it used to be wholesalecrafts.com. Now they're called Indie Me. I'm not sure exactly why they changed their name, but think of it as an Etsy, but for wholesale, only for wholesale artists. Uh, you can be a buyer on the site and buy from the wholesale and have a you know a buyer's account. Um, but that's where you could go to and all the artists out there that are willing to wholesale, uh, you could purchase from. So I would say 50 to 60% of our artisans come from that. And then the rest come from people I knew from my shows, people I knew that we bought from. And then there's the people that not every day, but almost every day, at least a few a week, walk through the door because they've heard of the shop. And I always look around. I can always tell when they want to pitch me their work because they spend about a minute, you know, uh, praising the store. Oh, the store's so great. Oh, by the way, I make. And then I, you know, then I know I'm going to hear what they make. We look at anything that people are willing to bring in. Um, doesn't mean we take it on. It depends on our current inventory, uh, how it uh, fits or doesn't fit in with what we already have. Uh, the price the person wants for it. Um, it doesn't always work out. Wholesaling is tough, mm. uh, especially in art, uh, because it's, it, it's inherent. Uh, crafting is, you know, labor intensive and uh, it's tricky to do wholesale. In fact, I'm amazed how as many people do wholesale and do it, you know, successfully because the shop's got to double at least whatever that is and still have a price people accept. And that's a, it's tough math there. But yeah, we have four or five sources, um, those sources to get our artisans from. Okay. Um, you had mentioned, um, you know, you have some people that just walk in. Um, mm -hmm. how, how many would you say are more locally, like the Henry County um, artisans versus um, getting oh, they come in the, and, way? And, have, and want me to look at their work? Um, or they, most they, they currently carry? Yeah, they... Um, they're mostly local, but you also get local people that come in and they have a brother, sister, aunt, kid, whatever, um, that does artwork and they'll ask for them. Uh, and then I just give them contact information. So sometimes I'll meet the person I meet isn't necessarily the artisan, but they know someone because mm -hmm. uh, artisans, we're always looking for someplace to sell, whether we're, you know, I mean, if you look at what we go through to sell our work, you know, sit out at an art fair that might be 98 degrees or severe weather. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. When the weather is nice and the crowd is good, it's the best way to spend a weekend. But when it's the opposite of that, it's the worst place you could possibly want to be because you're not comfortable. You've got all your work out there in the elements. You know, it's, it's tricky. So artisans are always looking, always on the radar for a place they can sell their stuff get their work out there in front of people, which is part of the joy of the business. I love the knowing that a lot of artisans are being at least partially supported by material things. Now you had said um, 
would you would you say a majority of the product that you carry in your store is is locally sourced or i would yeah. about two-thirds is local we try to keep the majority local um i i like to do that and the community likes that um it's tricky because there is a lot of creative stuff out there um a couple of years ago patty suggested i go through the wall in my shop because the place next door was available, you know, and double the size and I could easily fill it with stuff, but I, it was just, I had enough on my plate. So I decided not to do that. Um, but it's tricky because you have customers that have a favorite artisan or two or five or whatever, yeah. and they don't ever want you to stop carrying them. But at the same time, they want you to have new work and new artisans. And yet, you only have so much physical space. Mm-hmm. You can't keep expanding your artisans and have room for everybody. So occasionally you've got to phase somebody out and there'll always be one customer will come in and looking for something they bought two months ago and you go, oh, we don't you know, have that artisans work anymore. And they're incredulous as to why we would do that. Mm-hmm. But you, do, you can't keep finding more room for stuff. And the, the, it's a big enough shop. I'm happy with the way it is. I don't want to make it bigger, you know? But it is fun to swap things out. And your current artisans, they're creative people. They come up with new stuff. So it, they help you keep it fresh because they'll always come up quite frequently with some new things, new twists, new colors, new whole item, whatever. Uh, so we have a saying, there's always something new with material things. So mm-hmm. if, you've, if you haven't been in for a week or two or more, there's going to at least be some new work that you haven't seen before for your gifting of yourself or to gift someone else. Now, when you started the shop, you had mentioned before your old shop where you were just selling primarily your own things. Um, now, with right. the new shop, when you started out, how much buildup was there as far as like, I got to get product in here from all these other places mm-hmm. to really get it going? It was tricky. Um, we didn't start out with as much stuff as we have now. I was lucky that I was capitalized enough. And that also came in real handy getting through COVID because I feel sorry for the retailers and businesses that ran a pretty good business, but just they didn't have a cushion, you know, and they couldn't take the downtimes. But I had the capital in the back in the day. So I, I was, it was a little scary because, you know, it was a lot of inventory all purchased in a short time. My wife and I making the decisions as to what we thought would sell. And luckily we have a similar opinion and both have a pretty good eye. Um, But yeah, I spent quite a bit of money in that eight week stretch that I was painting and fixing the place up and, you know, going through wholesalecrafts.com, now Indie Me and uh, picking out work and contacting artisans and getting stuff ordered. Um, But we had a pretty good reception right away and we, uh, our clientele built pretty rapidly in the next, you know, three or four years. We've kind of plateaued now with a, a good client base and people move away or don't change their buying habits, but we always have new customers to replacing them coming in. Um, you said uh, this current store, uh, eight years? Yep, eight years last month, yeah. Okay, and, you, and you've been on the square the entire time? Yeah, we were on the square the entire time. My first business, the one I mentioned, Artful Glacier, that had two locations, but all three uh, were on the square. I love being on the square. When I first was going to open my first business, I looked at Crystal Lake and Woodstock, 
Mm-hmm. And um, Crystal Lake at the time, uh, due probably to just economic, uh, the economy at that moment, uh, the numbers there, the foot traffic, everything was not hugely better, but a little bit better. But I could feel things turning around and I could feel the square turning around. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a gamble. I'd rather be on the square. Um, so I decided on the Woodstock on the square versus Crystal Lake. One of the other drawbacks of Crystal Lake at the time, I do have to admit that parking is tricky on Main Street there. Um, it's just a lot of shops trying to, uh, if you've ever, you know, parked there, it sometimes it takes some time to find a spot where Woodstock has a little better situation. But now that we come out of COVID with a lot of new things planned, we may go to where we're going to have parking troubles too. A good problem to have, but we could be on the verge of that. But yeah, I chose Woodstock. I wanted to work, you know, have my shop in my hometown. I was enamored with the five minute commute too, and how quickly I could go home or go back, you know, back and yeah. forth. So I've never regretted it. It's, it's, and there's so much, what's cool about the square and, you know, Crystal Lake has a Rouse Center. It's a great town and a great downtown, but the square has so much going on, uh, especially now that we're back and hopefully coming out of COVID. Um, there's just this last weekend. I mean, there was a, uh, live music all day at the farmer's market, that steel pan group that's an incredible group, arts and culture, they're called. Uh, they played that night. That night, there was live music a block and a half from them outside of uh, ethereal confections. There's just, and there's festivals and there's wedding groups out getting their pictures taken. The, the, the squares just hopping. There's always cool things going on. Yeah, I, I myself, I lived in Woodstock for a couple of years. And uh, mm-hmm. the square, even even then, had a lot going on. Still yeah. does today. And I mean, the, the podcast, um, you know, I has spent some time on the square. We got mm-hmm. a couple more businesses that we're talking to on the next season of the podcast. Or So, um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely okay. a cool area. And I, I, I love going down mm-hmm. there and spending time. And just the amount of shops that they got there, too, and mostly locally owned. So. Yeah, that's another thing too. Yeah, they're almost almost all locally owned. We have some new restaurants coming online, and I think the few dark places will start to get nibbles now. That it's less of a leap, yeah. you know, because any business you've got startup costs that are one time, and they can be kind of daunting. Um, and I think we'll start to get some uh, interest in a few of the places that went dark uh, in the beginning of COVID. There, mm-hmm. uh, so it. There's a lot of things coming along. It should be uh, even cooler as we move forward. A new year means new adventures. And The Weekender is your all-seasons guide to fun in McHenry County. From the thrill of life theater, to the homegrown flavors of your local restaurants, to the love of art and history, we have it all for you in 2022. Visit McHenryCountyLiving.com to start your adventure. Um, I wanted to ask about, um, we, you kind of touched on a little bit as far as if someone comes into your shop and they say, hey, I got mm-hmm. this, I make, I want to sell it here. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what is the process beyond just that initial introduction as far as someone, if they have something they want to get in your store? Right. I usually will, I guess you'd call it pre-screen a little by just asking some basic you know, questions, obvious ones, what it is that they're selling. But I try and find out if they've had some experience or not. There's a lot of people, you know, they'll do some new craft and understandably they get all excited. Um, but I'll ask them, you know, where they, what the type of 
craft is, what the price range is, and more importantly, what they have to get for it. Because there are some, you know, artisans that are naive uh, that they would sell something, let's say, uh, at a show, you know, retail for thirty dollars, mm-hmm. and they think wholesale. Well, oh, I could sell them to you for twenty-five, but that means I have to sell it for fifty. So first, they I make sure they understand the pricing. Um, and I also make them understand that we do some consignment where we take the work on and only owe you and make money if we sell it. And then we also buy outright. And that depends on the work and how saleable I think it is and the um, experience of the artisan. So if we get all those first hurdles and they're realistic about that, I just say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to look at whatever you have. If they want to bring it in in person, that's better because I can see it, touch it and feel it, look at it close up. Um, but they can also send me a, uh, you know, a link to their Etsy shop if they have their things on Etsy or just send me photographs in an email. Um, but I got to look at it somehow because sometimes they'll want to, you know, like push you for a... Uh, you know, a confirmation that you'll carry it or not. And I, you know, I have to see the work, but usually we set up a time for them to come back in with the work. Uh, and then we discuss it. And I just, I don't make promises. I just make it crystal clear. Um, I like to be honest that we look at everything for the purposes of being fair, but we also look at everything because we used to over pre-screen and sometimes I would turn an artist down because maybe it wasn't a good quality photograph or I only had a description and it didn't sound right. And then I discovered that the the work was actually quite nice, but I just had to uh, find a way to take a closer look. And some people don't follow through, but most of them will come in with their work. And basically we just go from there. We talk about price, if we're gonna consign or buy. Um, When we purchase, we do have an understanding that if we buy 12 of something from somebody and uh, four of them are remaining six months from now, and it's probably just color or shape that I have the right, even though I purchased them, um, if I'm going to get more from them, then we might swap some out, some new for old, uh, in order to keep the inventory fresh, because it is important. Uh, my kind of shop, if you're not careful and you're not a good buyer price-wise or a good eye for what sells, you can have a growing percentage of stuff that people do see every time they come in, you know? And so you want to be able to turn things over and return things to artisans if necessary. So basically that's in a, how that works. Have you had any uh, particular products that were like kind of... Um, above the rest are very popular with your customers um, that have just, just taken off for you? Oh yeah, we have, we have certain, certain artisans with certain items that we've, we've sold a lot of. Um, and they range, um, they range from particular items and they also, certain artisans, um, regardless of price range, uh, can end up really popular. If an item is um, functional and creative and in a price range that would be a gifting price range, which for a lot of people, you know, when you go to buy something for your friend or a coworker or a family member, you know, it, it varies as to what you spend on that person, which might be also impacted by what they spend on you. You know, if you exchange at Christmas or you get together once a year and you go out to eat and you always 
bring a gift for each other type thing. So if an item is functional and creative, eye-catching, and it's between, oh, let's say 15 and $45, that's going to sell really well because it's in the affordable range. It's unique, especially if it's something we try to have as much stuff as possible that you're not going to see in another gift store. Uh, we kind of pride ourselves on that big time. We have a couple of artisans that are very popular, literally out of 100, maybe five, that do a lot of art shows and are in a lot of other shops. Most of our artisans are not in any shops near us, which is part of what we ask for. And most shops do that. You know, you, you ask right away, okay, are you going to or are you in a shop two blocks from here? Um, but all of the work we do, our glass work is pretty much only available at our shop. And a lot of our artisans are in maybe only our shop and they sell retail otherwise, or they're in two or three other shops tops and not within an hour of ours. Uh, when you go to a town with a, uh, a downtown with quote, a lot of cute shops and you go in and out of that shop and Every shop's got an area of candles that looks like the other shop. And every shop has an area of cards that looks like the other shop. Wow. You get to the third or fourth shop and uh, you might not go in, you know. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of stuff that we're kind of known for that people know they can only get from us. So if it's in that price range and it's functional, so because a lot of people, they want to buy something that does something. It's just conservative types. Um and it's cute or colorful, whatever, that sells really well. Uh, we have one artisan that's local. He does woodwork and he just has this, he has a great sense of humor. And he has things we sell from 30 bucks to $300. Uh, and his items sell really well, uh, but they're, they're really unique. And he has never been in more than one other shop than mine. And some of the others have come and gone and he's always stayed with mine. Um, he's contemplating another shop now, but he ran that by me. I said, hey, actually, I take it back. I gave him the lead. A person came in okay. as a customer in my shop, and they own a, two or three shops. Uh, one is in Geneva. I can't remember, but they're all a good hour or more away. And she said, would you mind if I approach this artisan? And I always handle it that I approach for the person so that I have some control, you know? Um, and I also don't want to, I like to get the artisan's permission before I mm. would you know, suggest somebody that they might want to also have things in their shop. So I think he's going to work some things out with them and, and it'll, he'll go back to two shops total of which mine will be one. So um, I know we can't give you, give like an all encompassing like product list um, mm -hmm. because you guys carry and sell so much and so many different things. Mm -hmm. uh, can you give me just a brief summary of like some of the things that you carry? Just so people are listening, they have an idea of what, if they sure. come in, what they're looking at. Sure. Our biggest category and probably of any shop like us is jewelry. It's inexpensive. Everybody wears some. Uh, ladies will come in and joke that, you know, the last thing I need, I have a hundred pairs of earrings. The last thing I need is another pair of earrings. And then they'll buy two or three pairs of earrings and they'll have 103. Um, but earrings is our best seller. And that we have, of course, in many rings and metal and earrings and plastic and earrings in uh, clay and porcelain and so on. Um, and then we have pottery. That's another big category. Uh, that being that can be functional and decorative. So that kind of ties in with that, uh, what I mentioned earlier. Um, 
We have a lot of different woodwork that probably ranges the most from very functional to this whimsical work of Steve Brackett that I just talked about. A uh, very popular item in our shop is leather journals. Pretty much the only leather we have, but they're hand-tooled uh, journals. We've, and they have um, recycled paper uh, inside. People use them to draw and to put their daily thoughts or whatever down on. And we've had those since the day we opened and they're very popular too. Uh, we have a lot of glass because I love glass. So we have the glass I make and quite a few other glass artisans. Um, every, that ranges from small to big items also. And uh, metalwork and on and on. I mean, just you name the material, there's an artist doing something with it. One of my favorite categories, personal favorites, probably second to glass is what they call repurposed art. And that's where people have taken found objects, all kinds of things, and uh, made new things from them. Um, uh, people that are into the environment like that too, because they see that the material in what they're buying is being reused rather than newly created. Um, and that's a really fun category. We have some really cool stuff and repurposed. A lot of repurposed vinyl, um, old records being made into journals and coasters. Uh, we have a clock, a guy from Harvard that makes 45 RPM old uh, 45s into clocks. And you can tell him what band and what title you want, and he'll put the clock together for you. He'll search for it. He has two or 3,000 45s that he can pull from. So it's pretty eclectic, but that's kind of a rundown of a lot of the stuff that we have. Very cool. Um, one last thing I want to ask you about. You mentioned mm -hmm. that you do some classes for the glass work. Um, mm -hmm. is what, what do people need to know as far as that goes? Is there an age limit or um, do they just come see you? No, they, there's no age limit. Um, they can sign up. And that, this is kind of key to the information, too, because the newest thing about our shop is about a month and a half ago, we did start a web shop. I have a young man working for me that had the more techie than I, and he's put that together. Um, and the reason I thought of that right now is that one of the places you can sign up for the class is on our web. Uh, you can sign up face-to-face -face at the shop. And we are about to repartner with MCC. Uh, that ended with COVID because we were a satellite classroom, um, okay. a community classroom for them. So we would sign up people in the shop, but they would also sign up people through their website. And then they have their uh, magazine-like pamphlet that gets mailed out to everybody. And we're just starting up with them again, because when they went to remote learning, they also had to shut down all the classrooms that were off campus, which is what ours was, because we have our classroom in the basement of our shop. Mm -hmm. So you can soon you can sign up through MCC again for the fall classes, and you can sign up face to face, and you can sign up on our uh, on our web shop. And the, the classes um, we just started them again the last four, five, six weeks. We we tried about three months ago, thinking maybe people were ready, and we got almost no bites, and then. It's like a switch was flipped and all we're getting asked now is, are you doing the classes again? Are you doing the classes again? It's infused glass. Um, so you're learning how to do warm glass. Uh, the workshop one is your beginning class. And that is um, uh, mostly jewelry and sun catcher, smaller things to get your feet wet. If you've done some fusing or taken our workshop one, then you can take the workshop two and that's bigger items. That would be some wall pieces, 
uh, various bladders, bowls, you know, functional type things, or uh, might be more pretty than functional, but can be functional. And and we also in the fall will have our uh, uh, Christmas tree, our ornament classes, and those are a one day class, and you don't have to have experience for that. And they're really popular. People will come in and they'll make uh, ornaments for the tree, and then they'll give a bunch at Christmas to people. You know, so. That is now ramping back up. That's kind of the last piece coming out of COVID here. And I always say that with some temperament because I, I think it seems like we're coming up. Um, but uh, that's kind of the last piece of getting back to normal. Because it was right. very strange. I like to teach. My background is teaching. I'm an art education. I'm an art teacher from the University of Oklahoma, what I told you. And um, I enjoyed teaching and it was really strange for over a year to not teach a soul. They have nobody in the classroom all that time. Well, um, I, I think that's it. I, I appreciate your time. Um, it, was, it was a fun conversation and I, I implore everybody to check out material things out in Woodstock, go see Ken and uh, learn about some glass, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right, Ken. Well, I, thanks again and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Matt. Take care. All right, guys, there's my conversation with Ken over at Material Things. Uh, if you got some of those envelopes with cash in them over the holidays, that's a great place to go to spend some of that money. Uh, I guarantee you're going to find something unique. Uh, they do have a Facebook page if you want to check them out and see some of the offerings that they have. Um, or if you are somebody who likes to make things, jewelry or whatever, it's a place you can stop down and see if they want to uh, do some consignment or whatever. Um, and again, you know, Ken does the glass blowing. So that's something to check out too, uh, to see if they have some classes going on that maybe you want to check it out. So, um, definitely head down to Woodstock and, uh, visit some more other friends down there too. I mean, we got, we, we've been down in the Woodstock square a couple of times. So, um, I hope you guys had a, a great holiday, um, a safe holiday. And if you're listening to this before the new year, um, I enjoy uh, New Year's Eve, enjoy the night, uh, but be safe. Um, I, I want everybody to get home safely and just party safe, drink safe, all that stuff. Uh, but in you know let's let's start off 2022 on a good note and uh, I hope everyone has a good time and we have a great year. Let's leave you know the past two years behind us. Let's start going on an upswing so that we can get out to some of these local restaurants, support them and, uh, you know, see family and friends without, without having to worry about COVID and all that type of stuff. So guys, um, thanks for listening. I can't wait to talk to you next year in 2022 with us uh, new episodes and email me again. My name is Matt, uh, left at the light pod at gmail.com. Uh, I really appreciate you guys listening. Um, happy holidays to everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, thanks to McHenry County Living for being uh, a great sponsor. And thanks to my guys uh, at Sucker Punch again for the theme. Um, still getting compliments on it. And it, that's pretty awesome. So everybody, we'll see you next time. Um, uh, I believe we're going to be heading out to Huntley if I take a look at my list here. Um, to a unique business that uh, you may not have heard of, um, but they can be found in the area. So I'm going to leave that cliffhanger. I'm going to see you guys next time. Enjoy the new year. Goodbye. Goodbye.